0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number 6 in Joel chapter 2. And we're going to be reading Joel 2 verses 5 through 10 like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array before their face the people shall be much pained all faces shall gather blackness they shall run like mighty men they shall climb the wall like men of war and they shall march every one on his ways and they shall not break their ranks Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heaven shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And I'll stop reading there. Now as we have been going along in the book of Joel, uh, we've seen that chapter one is specifically dealing with the time of the great tribulation and so far in chapter two in, uh, in this passage beginning in the beginning verse of verse one, God is focused on judgment day itself and he is describing a mighty army that is his people. It is the saints of God that go forth with the Lord Jesus Christ in the day of judgment, as God tells us, know ye not that the saints shall judge the world. And so Christ is the judge. We are the people of God, as God likens judgment day to a battle between Satan and his forces. And so the Lord Jesus brings his people as the army. And it is through the salvation of all of the elect, through the fact that God has completed his salvation program, he has saved everyone whose name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, everyone to become saved has become saved. This is a weapon in God's hands this is a force that destroys the enemy that there is now no more salvation for any sinner and it is this this sorrowful fact that uh, brings about the destruction of every unsaved individual in the world and and that's what we're seeing portrayed here in Joel 2 well let let's uh, Go back to verse 5. I think we may have mentioned it last time. But it says in verse 5 of Joel chapter 2, Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains, shall they leap like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. And we saw how Revelation chapter 9, as it describes the locusts, that they are prepared unto battle. And just as uh, this army here is going forth to battle, and the strong people are the seed of Abraham. Christ is the seed, but all those in Christ are uh, this mighty army. And as we look at this idea of the noise of chariots on tops of the mountains, And and it says, so shall they leap. We see that chariots are uh, a weapon of war. They they were a tremendous force in their day. Uh, Mr. Camping, I remember commenting on this, said that the uh, modern-day equivalent to chariots would be tanks. That's how forceful they were, as they would come against an enemy on foot, or uh, an enemy that had no protection against the onslaught of chariots within an army. And, and so when God speaks of the chariots on tops of the mountains, shall they leap? We can understand that this is typifying the might of the force of the army of God. Now, God also ties together chariots with salvation in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, was Jehovah displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation? Now it, it could be that this is one way that God is identifying this mighty army as his elect. They all have experienced his salvation. That's very possible. But the word chariots is used in many places, and I I think we can understand it as um, a spearhead of the force of God's army. Uh, um, We can understand it practically that way. Well, the the word here that's translated is leap. Uh, as it says, like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap? is translated some other places as jumping or skipped. Uh, for instance, in Nahum, in chapter 3, I'll read the first three verses. It says there, Woe to the bloody city! It is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. The noise of a whip, and the noise of the rattling of the wheels, and of the prancing horses, and of the jumping chariots. The horseman lifteth up both the bright sword and the glittering spear, and there is a multitude of slain, and a great number of carcasses, and there is none end of their corpses. They stumble upon their corpses. So again, it is the descriptive language of an army of, in the battle and uh, and so you you have the jumping chariots or the leaping chariots in psalm 114 and i'm going to read the whole psalm it's only 8 verses it says in verse 1 when israel went out of egypt the house of jacob from a people of strange language judah was his sanctuary and israel his dominion The sea solid and fled, Jordan was driven back, the mountains skipped like rams, and the word skipped is the word leap that we're looking at, and the little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest, thou Jordan, that thou was driven back? Ye mountains that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. So in this psalm, God is picturing the coming out of Egypt and the great defeat of mighty Egypt and also really spiritually of Satan and his kingdom. And so he typifies it as the mountains skipping like rams and the little hills like lambs. Well, you can see that this is difficult language for us to understand, but uh, we, we can still understand that it is language that's pointing to the battle of Judgment Day as God's people, the kingdom of heaven is coming forth. It's an unstoppable army. That is destroying the enemy kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. Alright, it goes on to say like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. And the noise of a flame of fire. And by the way, the word noise is twice in, in verse five and it's strong's number 6963. And it's translated as voice in some places. For instance, in uh, in Genesis three verse eight, when they heard the voice of God, and so this is the voice of the chariots, the voice of a flame of fire. And this um, verse ties in with Isaiah chapter thirty, verse thirty, that says, "And Jehovah shall cause his glorious voice." which would be the word of God, the Bible, to be heard, and shall show the lightning down of his arm, with the indignation of his anger, and with the flame of a devouring fire, with scattering and tempests and hailstones. That goes on to say in verse 33, The breath of Jehovah, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. The word of God, as all Scripture as God breathes, is... The voice of Jehovah, it's the voice of the people of God as they share the things the Bible says. They're, they're just declaring, uh, what God tells them to declare as he, as he says, for instance, in Jeremiah 50, publish these things. And, and, and therefore it speaks of the voice of the chariots and, and the voice of a flame of fire. And, and it all relates to what the Bible is putting forth, what God is declaring in the day of judgment, that salvation has come to an end, the door of heaven is shut, and it is time for God to punish the wicked of the earth. And and this voice of a flame of fire devours the stubble. And uh, very consistently... In the Bible, God speaks of the unsafe people of the earth as stubble. For instance, in Job chapter 21, it says, uh, beginning in verse 16, Lo, their good is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How oft is the candle of the wicked put out, and how oft cometh their destruction upon them. God distributeth sorrows in his anger. They are as stubble before the wind, and as chaff that the storm carrieth away. And, and so there God says, The wicked are as stubble. In Isaiah 47, a chapter that is focused on Babylon, it says in Isaiah 47, verse 14, Behold, they, which would be Babylon, and Babylon represents the kingdom of Satan, and and that kingdom consists of every unsaved individual. Behold, they shall be as stubble, the fire shall burn them, they shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame, there shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before it. Thus shall they be unto thee with whom thou hast labored, even thy merchants from thy youth. They shall wander, everyone to his quarter. None shall save them. And ultimately, um, that's what's in view in Joel 2. Also, that none will save. God's salvation program has ended. There will be no more deliverance, no more translating out of one kingdom to another kingdom. God is finished. Um, saving individuals in Obadiah, Obadiah, that that book right before Jonah, it's only one chapter long. The Lord says in verse 18 of Obadiah, "And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for a stubble; and they shall kindle in them and devour them." And there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for Jehovah has spoken it. The house of Jacob, the elect, shall be of fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. Remember what God says in the book of Romans, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And here he makes... The distinction between the two. And one is like a flame and the other is like stubble. And that's exactly what is being said in in the verse we're looking at. Now in Malachi, we looked at this not too long ago. In Malachi chapter 4, it says in verse 1, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud... Yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith Jehovah of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. And both words, root and branch, are pointing to Christ. And and so God's judgment, the fire that shoots forth from the Scripture spiritually, is burning up the unsaved at this time. Because this is the day that was foretold. The day that cometh is now here. And now all the unsaved inhabitants of the earth are spiritually burning. And that's why God likens this present time to hell. As he speaks of hell as a fire in the Bible and, and the grave. And God has... Sealed mankind's fate once he shut the door of heaven, for all intents and purposes he killed them, and uh, they they are as in a flame, being devoured. Now just a couple of verses in First Corinthians chapter three. It says, beginning in verse eleven, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver. but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. See, this is why God is putting the fire to everyone today, spiritually. This time, the, the believers also are put to the fire. When when God shut the door of heaven, uh, it, it shut on everyone. When he put out the light of the gospel, he put out the light of the gospel to everyone that is living on the earth, and and so here we are. It, it, the elect of God are alive and living on the earth in the day of judgment, and the judgment of God is the end of His salvation program, and and so this is the flame that is burning, and God is also severely testing His people through this spiritual fire. This trial of faith over the course of a very likely 1600 day period, which breaks down to 40 times 40 and, and it's all designed to discover what you are made of and what I am made of and what will happen as a result. Now, of course, if there's stubble, the fire will burn it. Wood. Hey, stubble, all these things are combustible and and will burn up. They will be destroyed by the flame of fire. God's word will destroy them. It's certain that this is finally a time in which men can no longer hide, in which mankind can no longer fake it and and make it through god's word is finding out everyone no one will escape no one's going to fool god and and uh, somehow be wood hay stubble and pass through the fire and come out in the appearance of gold silver precious stones without really being gold silver and precious stones you need to actually be these things in order to endure the fire. And, of course, this is all spiritual. And gold, silver, precious stones is language indicating someone's truly saved. And wood, hay, stubble is language indicating someone is not truly saved. And the fire will determine. The day will declare it. And uh, as it says here, the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And and that will be finally discovered. And of course, if we are wood, hay, and stubble, it will mean our destruction. And there will be an end to us as the world ends. All of the wood, hay, and stubble there in First Corinthians 3... It spoke of it as works, that every man's work, and whether it be gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, stubble. And God speaks of people as a work. The apostle Paul makes mention of this in 1 Corinthians in chapter nine. It says in verse one, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? And when he says, are not ye, he's speaking to the Corinthians, uh, to people. Are not ye my work in the Lord? The work that he did in the gospel and sharing the word of God, well, there they are. They are the work. They heard the gospel and some Became saved and, and were made like gold, silver, precious stones. Others did not become saved and they remain in their sin and therefore they are wood, hay, stubble, but they're all work. And, and God says in second Peter in chapter three, as he speaks of a fire that will finally destroy the earth, and destroy the whole creation. And that's what this time period we're in is leading up to. Right now, it's a spiritual fire. Right now, it's a spiritual flame that is devouring, but at the completion of this prolonged period of Judgment Day, on on the final day, if we're correct, which would be October 7th, 2015, which is just months from now, on the final day, this is what will will take place, and the spiritual fire will become a literal fire, as we read here in 2 Corinthians 3, in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements... Shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The earth and its works will be burned up. So that goes along with what God said in 1 Corinthians 3, that the day will declare it and, and ultimately the final declaration, the final determination by God concerning all of these people that have heard the word of God, the gospel, and if they're saved or not saved, will be if they make it through the destruction period of this earth. That is, God's people will will be taken out of the world, they'll be resurrected, they'll be raptured. They will go to be with the Lord, and as the Bible says, they'll meet the Lord in the air. And all the unsaved are left on the earth for burning. And and finally, that is what the lake of fire points to in the book of Revelation. The completion of the spiritual judgment will transition to an actual destruction of by fire of all of the unsafe people of the earth and of the creation itself. Well, um, back in Joel 2, that's being referred to, like as it says, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, before their face, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. And here we, we can see, um, as we, we think about this picture of an approaching mighty army, a tremendous force that cannot be defeated. And, and so before their face or before their presence, the people... That is, the ones that are being destroyed by this mighty army shall be much pained. Uh, Of course, if an army was destroying your city and town, uh, you would be pained as a result. Now, this word pain is used in many places in association with a woman that travaileth. For instance, in Isaiah 13, it says in in verse 6, and this is a chapter that speaks of the burden of Babylon in verse 1, and then discusses Judgment Day um, throughout the rest of the chapter. And we're not surprised at that, because we understand that Babylon is a representation of Satan's kingdom, which is this world. And it says in Isaiah 13, verse 6, How ye, for the day of Jehovah is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of Jehovah cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And so in the context of Judgment Day, God uses this expression, they shall be in pain. And we we can understand that uh, this is just describing the terribleness, the awfulness of the wrath of God, of what is occurring in actuality. Even if people are not aware of it, uh, it, it is describing the terrible situation of a people being destroyed. Uh, and and just being overcome by the kingdom of heaven. Well, uh, the second part of verse 6 says, All faces shall gather blackness. And I'm not sure what this means. The word blackness um, is found one other place, and that's in Nahum, Nahum chapter 2. And it says, beginning in verse 9, I'll read 9 and 10. Take ye the spoil of silver, take the spoil of gold, for there is none end of the store and glory out of all the pleasant furniture. She is empty and void and waste, and the heart melteth, and the knees smite together, and much pain is in all loins, and the faces of them all gather blackness. And uh, again, just looking at this word, in in these two places and and looking at where the word is derived from i'm not sure exactly what god has in view uh, we can know it's something not good It it is something um, of course that is related to judgment upon them and and so their faces will gather blackness okay let's go on to verses seven through nine they shall run like mighty men they shall climb the wall like men of war, and they shall march everyone on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks, neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. In these verses, God gives us several statements concerning this army. They shall run. They shall climb. Uh, they shall march. Uh, they shall not break ranks and neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path and, and so forth. And so we're, we're going to look at some of these statements and we'll see it all has to do or revolves around God's people maintaining, keeping the law of God, or that is following the commandments of God, doing the will of God. But first, let's look at the opening statement of Joel 2, verse 7. They shall run like mighty men. And uh, this word mighty, which is Strong's number 1368, is used to describe God himself. Of course since he is the almighty. It says in Psalm 24. And verse 8. Who is this king of glory? Jehovah strong and mighty. Jehovah mighty in battle. And um, God's people. Uh, can only be considered mighty themselves. Because God is mighty. And, and we have. His strength. Remember, as we read in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And it is through the power, the might, the strength of God that the Lord's people are with Him in the battle. Christ is the one that is winning the battle, fighting the battle. And we're just sharing what the Bible says concerning this battle. And... And and so we're sharing the scriptures that declare the the might of God, and since He is the mighty one, the people of God are likened to the mighty ones. Now, if we go back to Isaiah thirteen, in Isaiah thirteen, um, we just read a few verses. Now, if we uh, go to the earlier verses, beginning in verse one. We'll see something interesting that relates. It says in Isaiah 13, 1, The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amoz did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones. For mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. Now, let's think about that. God is saying he's commanded his sanctified ones. And who would they be? They would be his people. And he says also, he's called my mighty ones for mine anger. That is, this concerns his wrath. As we can see here in Isaiah 13, he's describing Judgment Day, the day of his anger. And and just so we're um, clear as to who he's speaking of, he says he's called his mighty ones for mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. That is, he is the the, the great king. His royal highness. And who rejoices in his highness? To the unsaved? To false prophets? No, it is the people of God that are the mighty ones that rejoice in his highness. And then it says in verse 4, The noise of a multitude in the mountains like as of a great people. A tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together Jehovah of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even Jehovah and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. And here God is speaking of his people that are like a weapon in his hand. And we saw this this same idea, this same teaching, when we uh, were looking in, in Jeremiah 50, and we also were led to uh, Jeremiah 51, where God says in verse 19, "...the portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance, Jehovah of hosts is his name." Thou art my battle axe and weapons of war, for with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy kingdoms, and with thee will I break in pieces the horse and his rider, and with thee will I break in pieces the chariot and his rider, and, and so forth. Ten times God uses that phrase, break in pieces, to point to the completeness ...of the destruction of Babylon, the completeness of the destruction of this world, and he refers to Jacob and Israel, the rod of his inheritance, as the uh, weapon of war. And again, it is through the salvation, through the, the finalizing of his salvation plan, of saving that last individual... That God is able to bring to pass this judgment upon all the unsaved, and and therefore the elect are instrumental in the judgment of the wicked. And Isaiah 13, in the first few verses, God is speaking of His mighty ones, who rejoice in His highness, who are there with Him as. As we, we read following verse 5, after he speaks of this um, uh, mighty people, this great people, the, the mighty ones, he, he then goes on to say, how ye, in verse 6, for the day of Jehovah is at hand. And then we have the language of Judgment Day. And, and later on in the chapter, the Lord will begin to speak of the Medes and Persians that come. Against Babylon and 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 bring destruction to Babylon, and and so we have Christ and His army that um, that are typified by the Medes and the Persians and their army. Well, uh, let's go back to Joel two and verse seven. They shall run like mighty men. The these are again the true believers, God's elect, and. And then as God is saying, they shall climb the wall like men of war, they shall march everyone on his ways. Well, the word march is the same, uh, uh, um, it's a translation of this, uh, or the Hebrew word is the same that's translated as walk in verse eight. Neither shall one thrust another, they shall walk everyone in his path. And, and normally when you march, you walk. So, it could be the translators are are understanding that God is describing an army walking. And notice it says, and they shall march or walk everyone on his ways and they shall not break their ranks. So if you're walking in an assembly in an organized way, you're marching. That's what marching is. And, and so they translated that word is, as, as march and to walk in the Bible when we look up walking or running, as it said at the beginning of verse seven, they shall run like mighty men. We've discussed this before. There's a, a wonderful verse in the Psalms that, that speaks of running the way of God's commandments and to walk. If you look it up, you'll find. References to walking in the commandments, walking in the light, walking in the truth of the word of God, and, and, and that is what walking is. And that's why the Lord typifies the unsaved as lame, uh, as someone who cannot walk. And, and when Christ would perform a miracle and heal a lame person, well, they could rise up and leap and jump and walk and and that's a picture of someone now able now uh, qualified by God to walk in the commandments of God to keep them to obey and do them and and that's what walking is uh, spiritually speaking and that's what running is spiritually speaking so here the the army of God are marching everyone on His ways, and whose ways? Of course, God's ways. As Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." So we're going the way of God, and that way is directed. We're led um, in in the way through the Bible, the Word of God directs our path. It is a light unto our path, and it guides us. And And so these uh, people of God are following the commandments of God. And what have we learned regarding God's commandments? Well, we've learned th- that we must publish these things. And I've made reference to it twice, so let me read it. In Jeremiah 50, it says concerning... Babylon, in verse 2, "...declare ye among the nations, and publish, and set up a standard, publish, and conceal not, say, Babylon is taken." There's a commandment of God. A commandment of God is to reap in this time of reaping the harvest. A commandment of God is found in Revelation 15, uh, wherein he is speaking to the seven messengers... That are clothed in fine white linen, which is the the uh, righteousness of saints. So they are the saints of God. They're the the elect, and he says, "Go your ways and and pour out the vials." Now, since it says ways, let's let's go back there in Revelation 16 in verse one, and I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels or messengers, "Go your ways." and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Well, that's the ways that this army is going. They shall march everyone on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. And the the word ranks, this is Strong's number 734, is normally translated as paths or ways. Also, uh, for instance, this is the word in Proverbs chapter three and verse six. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And and uh, so again, it leads us back to the word of God. It leads us to the scripture. The, this army is very concerned. It, it is guided. It is directed. It is governed by the word of God. That's why they run like mighty men and, and it's why they march everyone in his ways or on his ways and they shall not break their pass. They'll not go left and they'll not go right. They'll keep their eyes straight on the, the way that the Bible, the course the Bible has set for them and it is an indicator that they are true believers. And then it says in verse eight, neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. And again, his path is the path of the Lord Jesus Christ and they shall walk in his commandments. He, he is that way, the truth and the life according to John 14 six and this mighty army will walk everyone in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. And the sword points to the word of God. And the sword will not wound them. Now, we have to just consider for a minute that the sword is killing all of the unsaved. It's God's word that is saying the door is shut. It's not... Uh, any individual it's God himself it's God's word that's saying that the light of the gospel is out God's the one that wrote Matthew 24:29 saying immediately after the tribulation the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars will fall it's God's word that set forth the biblical calendar of history and it, it was God who opened up the scriptures to reveal the timeline of the church age the timeline of the great tribulation to the very day on, on when significant key uh points of time were reached such as the beginning of the end of the church age on May 21 1988 and judgment day May 21 2011 god locked those dates in and and therefore this is all coming forth from the word of god it's the sword that is doing this, as God's word is a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of, of soul and spirit. And it's two-edged because in the day of salvation, it could cut to salvation to save, or it could also judge at that time as well. But here the sword will not hurt or wound this mighty army, because... um God has already saved them, and they cannot be injured or harmed. But but it's as though when we declare, when the Bible says, and we we simply declare it and share it with others, the door is shut. It's, it's as though the sword is going into both, the saved person as well as the unsaved person. But it will not harm the saved person. And I think that's the point. That the Lord is making um, that the door is shut to all but it does not harm the elect well here in uh, verse 9 it says they shall run to and fro in the city they shall run upon the wall they shall climb up upon the houses they shall enter in at the windows like a thief and this is something we we haven't considered too much. We know the Bible says that Christ comes as a thief in the night. We read it uh earlier in Second Peter chapter three. And let me just read that again in verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And in a few other places Jesus likens himself to the thief that comes in the night. And we've looked at that. we understand that. Uh, he's coming like a thief because it's a spiritual judgment. Uh, he came as a thief on the churches and congregations and since it was spiritual, they they uh, couldn't recognize it. they they were not able to discern it even up until today. Uh, that's how expert a thief Christ is. He, he came upon all the churches and congregations of the world and stole their blessings. He removed salvation from them, the greatest thing that that they had uh, in their possession, in the church, the corporate body, as God was saving throughout the church age. And they were robbed as God judged them and came like a thief in the night. And they did not even realize it, and still don't. Well, likewise, Christ came as a thief in the night on May 21, 2011, and did the same thing to the world. He took the greatest treasure, which is the blessing of salvation, away from the world, as God was working in the world to save a great multitude. And just the fact that God... Um, had the possibility of salvation was a tremendous blessing for this world that potentially from their perspective they could have become saved at any point during the day of salvation yet now the day of salvation has concluded and Christ has come and he has removed himself and ended that salvation program and the world doesn't even know it. They are completely unaware. And and that's what the Bible tells us, that an unseen, unaware judgment came upon the world on May 21, 2011. So Christ, we understand, is the thief. But why is God speaking of this army, these mighty men, and saying, they shall enter in at the windows like a thief. And we know it's Judgment Day that verse 10 ties in with so many other scripture that, uh, pinpoint the darkening of the sun and so forth as Judgment Day. It says in verse 10 of Joel 2, the earth shall quake before them, the heaven shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And yet it's, it's speaking of This army, they shall run. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. And the only explanation is that what is true of Christ, he is the mighty one, is true of the people of God, this army. They are the mighty ones. Christ is the judge they are judging the world with him. Christ is the thief. They are thieves themselves. Because whatever Christ is doing, they are doing. Whatever the king does, his army does with him. And so God is um, looking at all the elect along with Christ when he says that they themselves are like a thief. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.